Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits, everybody. This is Jeff coming at you today from Bethlehem, Georgia, recording at the church office. And um, thanks for tuning in today. Feels like fall here in my home state of Georgia. I don't know where you're listening, um, but here in the southeastern United States in metro Atlanta, um, it's starting to feel like fall. I guess technically on the calendar, it is fall. And, uh, you know, I think I say this at the end of every year, but did this year not fly by? You know, remember when you're young and the old people would always tell you, hey, the older you get, the faster time passes. And you're like, okay, old head, thank you. Appreciate that input. Means nothing to me. Well, now as an old head, I am um, joining that chorus of people that says, the older you get, the longer you live, the quicker the years pass you by. And 2023 has been a blur. Um, For me, it's been thus far a very good year, a lot of challenges, a lot of challenges, but for every single challenge, there has been parallel grace and God has just, um, you know, just as always shown himself faithful. I hope that's your testimony too. I know a lot of you have had um, deep challenges this year and I think part of the regular theme of my Christianity is to remind people that um, the Bible declares us to be overcomers. declares us to be more than conquerors, says that we are always being made to triumph. And we love those phrases, but every single one of those phrases necessitates the reality that there's a battle. There is opposition. There's a fight. Y'all know my saying, you can't be an overcomer unless you were first an undergoer. You got to undergo something to overcome something. And so if you are in that undergoing um, season where it just feels like wave after wave and, you know, long stretches of difficulty, um, I bless you in the name of Jesus with the fruit of endurance and patience that you will overcome. You will come out. If you don't quit, you will overcome. Uh, We are told in scripture that uh, we'll root, excuse me, we will reap in due season if we don't quit. So don't quit. Don't quit. Not saying we enjoy it all the time, but I am saying that we must endure it. I was talking, uh, well, frankly, this is a conversation I have probably every week with somebody, but uh, talking about the gift of tongues recently um, with somebody. And um, I come from a, a Baptist uh, world. That was where I was. Um, even as an unregenerate child, we went to the Baptist church for a while, then went to a Christian church. Uh, but primarily back in the day, I probably would have identified as Baptist. And then when I got saved, uh, the guy that led me to Jesus sent me to what was then called Meadow Baptist Church, which was an independent fundamentalist church. A lot of rules, good people. They loved the Lord. Uh, they certainly loved me. They were kind to me. Thank God for them. But uh, there were a lot of rules and um, like not necessarily <laughs> biblical things, but just kind of man-made stuff. But I think theologically, um, there was a hard stance against anything from the charismatic world, the charismatic movement. I remember being just newly saved and not having a clue what charismatic meant. I didn't, from a, uh, uh, to me, charismatic was just an adjective described somebody with a winsome personality. But then I found out, no, charismatic was a flavor of Christianity. And primarily, if you don't know, charismatic Christianity affirms the continuation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of them. And, um, and that typically, especially back in the, uh, mid nineties, 
um, the controversy where I was at in my fundamentalist Baptist church was anybody that spoke in tongues was at, at best they were viewed to be in the flesh, but more often than not in private conversations and sometimes public sermons, I would hear that anybody that speaks in tongues is demonized, demon possessed that I heard, uh, an amazing orator. He's in heaven now, but his name was John Phillips and he was from Plymouth Brethren. That was his flavor. He was Welsh, had an amazing accent, one of the best preachers and expositors I'd ever heard. But I remember him decrying uh, the gift of tongues and people that speak in tongues. And he gave a description of a man with a, a demon uh, in his gut and the nerves of the tongue, the physical tongue are housed somewhere in the, in the gut. And this man who said he was speaking tongues felt something trying to enter his gut. Anyway, it turned into this long sermon about how anybody that speaks in tongues has a demon in their belly, pulling on the nerves that control the tongue. And I was a very impressionable, you know, early twenties, mid twenties guy. And I was like, okay, I don't want to have anything to do with that. So I preached against the gift of tongues, uh, for a few years. And then I started studying the scriptures and I realized that um, the position called cessationism, not sensationalism or sensationism, but cessationism, the root word being cease, cessation. Um, that is the doctrine that teaches all the gifts of the Holy Spirit that are supernatural in nature, uh, stopped, ceased, um, right after the apostles died, or in some cases they believe right after the word of God was completed, the written word of God. And so I just believed that stuff until I started studying my Bible. And I realized there's not a single verse in all of the Bible, not one, that legitimately teaches that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased. And were it not for one verse in 1 Corinthians 13, the whole theology of cessationism wouldn't be a thing at all because it's primarily based out of a verse in the book of first Corinthians 13 that says um, that the gifts of tongues shall cease it doesn't say that they shall how they have ceased it says they shall cease and then later on in that same passage it tells you when they will cease and it's when the son of God returns to earth because we won't need the gifts of the spirit when we see Jesus because we'll be fully glorified. But the issue of tongues has always been um, controversial and uh, it offends the intellect because quite frankly, uh, intellectually, rationally, um, speaking in tongues, praying in tongues doesn't make sense. And um, when my theology changed in the late 1990s, just from studying the word, Basically, I came to the conclusion, um, this was before I was a lead pastor, I was still a junior pastor on staff at Meadow Baptist, and I said, oh, man, all this rhetoric and all this dogmatic teaching about the, the gifts of the Spirit ceasing, it's not biblical. And I was a Bible guy, you know, I mean, I was just one of those dudes that's like, I don't, I'll listen to anybody teach anything, but I need Bible if you're going to say it at a level 10 with authority, then there better be a level 10 authority from the scripture. And the stuff I heard against tongues was at level 20 authority being preached. And it was level zero from the scriptures. 
And so I changed my theological position. I didn't announce it. I didn't, you know, take out a page in the newspaper saying I'm no longer a cessationist. I just said, oh, that's not a biblical teaching. Um, But I was not the pastor of the church and I wasn't about to make waves. It was a secondary issue. And I personally had no experience with the gift of tongues at that time. And so I'm just like, okay, I am no longer a cessationist. I declared I am a continuationist. I declared it to myself. I didn't tell a single person. I was like, I no longer believe the gifts have ceased. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, I no longer believe the gifts have ceased. I believe they continue. So theologically, I became a continuationist. Well, if you've read my book, Figuring It Out As I Go, you know the chapter. I think I call it The Day God Pounced. It's something like that. The Day God Pounced or The Day God Ambushed. It's a chapter in my book, Figuring Out As I Go. And I go detail. I went full disclosure in that book about what happened to me in February of uh, 2003. And, um, what happened is my theological, I was then the lead pastor of Meadow Baptist, Meadow independent, fundamental Bible believing Baptist church. And although my theology said the gifts have continued, I had no experience with what I would call supernatural gifts until February of 2003, where God pounced, he invaded my office and I began to pray in tongues sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Um, It just happened. And I wasn't looking for it. I was startled by it. I was quite frankly wondering what had happened because I had never been around tongues except for one time when I was a little kid. And so I didn't have any kind of, you know, grid for it. I just know that I was worshiping. I was filled with joy. It was a beautiful time praying in English. And all of a sudden I just began to pray in syllables and sounds that I never had before. I clamped my hands over my mouth. The spirit of religion is strong, by the way, that religious spirit that I had um, that, you know, (laughs) I was fine theologically signing off on tongues, but I had never thought I'd do it. (laughs) I didn't really want to, it was going to make my life really complicated as a Baptist pastor who now was sovereignly given the gift of tongues. And so, um, long story short, uh, the same thing happened to me the, the next morning, the next morning I came back into my prayer time in my office And again, was sovereignly given the gift of praying in tongues. And again, I pushed away from my desk. I got up, I walked out of my office. I came back into my office a few minutes later and I said, God, I prayed and continue praying in English. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I knew it was the Lord, but I said, I can't do this. And I thought at the time, and maybe I was, but I thought at the time I was being wise in order, in other words, like, I can't split the church over the gift of tongues. I had just become the pastor like four months before. And uh, I look back on it now and I was just afraid. It was the fear of man, the spirit of religion. God was giving me something that um, should have been nonstop in my life at that point. But I quenched the spirit. I told the Lord, no, I don't think God was mad at me. I don't think, um, you know, I was uh, this terribly rebellious young pastor, I was just afraid and I didn't see the value in it versus what it might cost me. And so, um, I told the Lord, no. And for almost two years, right around two years, I never prayed in tongues again. And by the way, just for all my charismatic friends, God was blessing my ministry. The church was growing. 
people were getting saved. People were getting baptized. Matter of fact, the church was growing to the extent that we had to move out of the building we were in and move to a city of the city of Lawrenceville away from Duluth and bought a bigger building and, um, good night. I mean, the church was just doing amazingly in a lot of ways, but in the back of my mind, I knew that I was suppressing this, um, thing that God had tried to give me. Some people might ask Jeff, I don't get it, man. Why would you pray in a language that you don't even know what you're praying? It's just nonsense. And then you're going to have people that love the Lord. Listen to me all my charismatic friends. Listen to me. Just because Baptist, Methodists, and Presbyterians don't flow in the gifts doesn't mean they're not saved, doesn't mean that they don't love the Lord, doesn't mean that they aren't great children of God. You need to quit marking people by how they view and practice the gifts as to whether or not, hey, they're saved. That's terrible. You're not saved by speaking in tongues. You're saved by repentance and faith in the blood of Jesus Christ as atonement for your sins. Um, and so when, when people wonder about the gifts of the Holy spirit, I don't see it as a tug of war because I used to be that guy and there's been a lot of bad teaching and, uh, they just don't understand it because the gifts of the Holy spirit are not, they can be theologically taught, but it is an experience and speaking in tongues is an experience and you don't rationalize your way into it. It is an issue of being surrendered unto the Lord and receiving um, this ability to pray in tongues. Um, Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, right near the beginning of 1 Corinthians 14, I think it's verse 2, he said that the person who speaks in tongues doesn't speak to men, doesn't speak to people, but speaks to God. And then he says, nobody understands them, but he's uttering mysteries in the spirit. And so when somebody is praying in tongues, they're not talking to people. They are speaking mysteries in the Holy Spirit to God. And let me just ask you this. What language does God speak? Do you think God speaks English only? Does he speak German or Italian or Chinese, Mandarin? No, there's a heavenly language that is not a Latin-based language. And so we, we've got to recognize, like, we can't just distill God down to a nice, you know, American evangelical who speaks perfect English. And so there's a heavenly language. And when, when we're praying in tongues, we're not talking to people. We're talking to God. It's literally God the Spirit talking to God the Father using our vocal cords, our lips, and our tongue, and we're uttering mysteries in the Spirit. And that same chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, says that when you do that, you're building yourself up. You build yourself up. You're edifying your spirit. Now, I remember as a cessationist, I used to say, well, how terrible See, tongues were just to build people up and people that are speaking in tongues, they're not operating in love and consideration for the other people. They're just being selfish and building themselves up and you shouldn't do that. Really? Do you read your Bible to build yourself up? Is that selfish? Do you pray in English or your native language to build yourself up? Do you get strength when you pray in your known language? Yeah. Do you, do you disciple to build yourself up? Do you get disciple? Do you go to church to grow in the faith? Listen, 
so much of the Christian life is about building yourself up. So you can't use the argument that because you're praying in tongues, you're just building yourself up and that must be selfish. No, it's just another means by which we are edifying ourselves. And then Paul says, again, 1 Corinthians 14, he says, I want you all to speak in tongues. So the idea that it's, you know, not intellectual, it's just babble, it's child talk, it's ridiculous. Paul was the most intellectually gifted writer, in my opinion, in all of the New Testament. He was the architect of the doctrine of the church. <laughs> He's the one that laid out the doctrine of the atonement. And Paul was a theological, intellectual genius. And he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And I want all of you to speak in tongues. So why do I bother saying that? Well, because I, we have a mixed audience on Mavericks and Misfits. And if you listen regularly to Mavericks and Misfits, you already know where I stand on the gifts. So I'm certainly not picking a fight. I'm just trying to get people that don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to consider what the Bible actually says, not what somebody says the Bible says. I think you, we arrive at the position of, of cessationism, not believing in the gifts of the Spirit. We arrive at that position, not from what the Bible says, but from what someone says that the Bible says. And so when we think through the gift of tongues, we have to say, let's remove the filter of what everybody's told us. By the way, I can I encourage charismatic Christians to do that. Some of y'all can't defend your practicing of the gifts. You don't can't give a biblical defense to it. Somebody that doesn't believe in the gifts walks up and cherry picks nine verses and tells you why speaking in tongues and prophesying and signs, wonders, and miracles are not biblical anymore. And you have no ability to defend your position. You're just 100% going on what you've seen and what you've experienced. I don't think that's healthy. I think you should, you should see and experience these things, but you also ought to be able to give a biblical answer to help somebody who's skeptical about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just in case you're wondering, if you're new to this podcast, I think that I don't even, I think this is like episode 170 or something. I don't know. It's 160, 170 episodes. Well, if you go all the way back a couple of years ago into the beginning of this podcast, Mavericks and Misfits, and you look at the first ones I did, Mavericks and Misfits was basically started to give an audience, give a voice and an ability for those of us that believe in the authority of scripture and the necessity of the Holy Spirit and probably seven out of my first 10 episodes of Mavericks and Misfits were talking about the gifts of the spirit. So I go into you know, great depth in those episodes. If you're interested in, in growing in a biblical understanding of why the gifts of the spirit are not only valid, but important, like really important, we need to be operating in the gifts of the Holy spirit. You can go all the way back in the archives at maverickmisfit.com. Go to maverickmisfit.com, scroll all the way down to the very first sessions um, I think it was the fall of 2020, 2020, maybe 2021, but I think 2020, um, when we first started doing this podcast and benefit from those things. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself as I was talking recently with somebody and it wasn't like a heated debate or anything. It's just, they don't believe the gifts are valid and I do. And so I'm just kind of tenacious. I was like, well, show me in the Bible why the gifts are not valid. Show me why they're not valid. And of course, they always go to the 1 Corinthians 13 passage that says, tongue shall cease, prophecy will vanish away. And I'm like, well, when does that occur? And they're like, well, it's already occurred. And I'm saying, where do you get that from? 
And they're saying, well, it's clear that it, it doesn't happen like it did in the New Testament and the book of Acts. And so therefore it must have, it's already occurred that the gifts have passed away. And I'm thinking to myself, um, you're basing your doctrine on an experience because this is what the Bible says. I mean, literally first Corinthians, just read first Corinthians 13, eight through 10. It says love never ends. And then it says prophecies will pass away. So there's a, there, it's there in scripture. Everybody needs to know that. There's coming a time where prophecy will be completely gone. And then it says also, tongues will cease. And then it says right after that, knowledge will pass away. And so he goes on and he says, we, we know in part, we prophesy in part. And then there's the timing word in verse number 10, 1 Corinthians 13, 10. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. There you have it. When the perfect comes, the problem is, is Paul does not identify what the perfect coming is. And so that's, and that's where people came up with, well, the only perfect thing in the world today is the perfect word of God, the written word of God. So when the Bible was finished, all the partial things like tongues and prophecy and healings and signs and wonders, those sign gifts, those all passed away because God doesn't want us trusting in signs. He wants us trusting in the written word. So they create this argument. And the problem is, is the Bible doesn't teach that. As a matter of fact, Paul goes on to say in that same chapter, just a few verses after verse eight and uh, eight and nine, where he says prophecy and tongues will pass away. And then he says in verse 10, it's going to happen when the perfect comes. Verses number 12 and 13 tell you when that time comes. Verse 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Okay. This is awesome because we just got the description of the time of when the perfect comes. And remember that's important because when the perfect comes, tongues will cease, prophecies will pass away. So if you're trying to figure out when do prophecies pass away, when is the gift of prophecy no longer necessary? When is the gift of tongues going to come to a halt? Well, Paul says it is when we are face to face with the Lord. We see in a mirror dimly, Paul says, that's faith. Like right now, we don't see everything perfectly. That's why we need faith. He says, but then face to face. By the way, if you're a real Bible nerd like me, that face to face that phrase in the Greek, when it is used, uh, there is a Greek translation of Old Testament Hebrew. In other words, the Old Testament was translated into Greek. That's called the Septuagint. And when that phrase in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, when that phrase face-to-face is used, it's always a face-to-face encounter with the angel of the Lord or God himself. And so when we see that phrase, it says tongues will cease, prophecy will pass away, and it's going to happen when we see face to face. That means when Jesus comes back. And then, and if you don't buy that, well, the next phrase in first Corinthians 13, 12 is Paul says, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Well, what does that mean? God fully knows you. 
Paul says, even as I've been fully known, he's talking about being fully known by God. And Paul says, then in the future, when tongues cease, when prophecies will pass away, will be at a time, and Paul anticipated that would occur during his life. It did not. The second coming of Jesus still hasn't happened yet. But Paul says, he describes it, he says, it's going to pass away when I know fully. If you go to John's little epistle, 1 John, he writes this. He says um, that we, we will know Jesus as he is. Oh, excuse me. We will know Jesus because we will see him as he is. We'll fully know Jesus when we see him as he is, when he comes back. Does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know we shall be like him for we will see him as he is. So guys, let me just give you this. 1 Corinthians 13, um, uh, 8 is the whole verse that the entire doctrine of cessationism hangs on. It's a flimsy nail to hang that heavy of a doctrine. To say that the gifts of the Spirit, which were completely necessary in the New Testament, all throughout the book of Acts, you see them in the epistles. You got 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, Romans chapter 12. They're saying the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. And then somebody just decided that 1 Corinthians 13, 8 teaches that the gifts of the Spirit are gone. It's one verse poorly interpreted that is the whole foundation for the doctrine that says the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. When if you just read the rest of the chapter, it tells you that hasn't occurred yet. Why? Because we haven't seen him face to face yet. For we don't fully know as we've been known. Guys, let me just ask you this. Do you know everything there is to know about Jesus? Of course not. You will. You will know him as you have been known. And so when we look at this issue of cessationism and saying, gifts of the spirit. And I've, I've just been focusing on tongues. Um, when you say that that's no longer available, why would that doctrine be out there? I'm going to risk this. I believe cessationism is a demonic doctrine. Now, before you send me emails offended or alarmed, I didn't say that everybody that believes in cessationism is knowingly cooperating with demons it's not like this you know, presumed crusade where Christians are conspiring with the devil to eradicate tongues. I don't think that they know that, that it's demonic. But if you read through the book, especially 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you find out that the gifts of the Spirit are not for YouTube. They're not for sensationalism. They're not to be cool. They're not party tricks. No, they're ministry tools. They're used to build up, to edify, to strengthen we minister in and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to build up the body of Christ for edification, for the advance of the kingdom. Now, that's why they were given. That's why they're still given. Granted, they're misused. The gifts of the Spirit are frequently, and it's sad, misused by Christians. The Bible tells us how to use the gift of tongues in a corporate setting. The Bible tells us how to use the gift of tongues in a prayer language privately. And in a lot of settings, there's a flagrant violations of how to use these gifts. But you never determine the validity of a doctrine based on how some people abuse it. 
You just have to say, what does the Bible say? And no matter how it's abused, you don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. When, when, when a gift of the spirit is misused, the answer is not to turn it into it being disused. In other words, just because somebody misused it doesn't mean you create a doctrine that says, well, we're not going to use these gifts anymore. They must not exist because they're not used right. No, the correct proper response to the, the abuse of a gift is proper use of the gift, not disuse of the gift. And so when, when, we, when we think of why would a doctrine come about that says the gifts aren't necessary, I'm going to tell you that doesn't originate with God because in the word, the gifts are very clearly established until Jesus comes again. Um, the only person I can think of, the only being I can think of that would want the gifts to disappear would be Satan and the demonic realm. Because the gifts are the manifest display of the power of God. They're not human. Human involvement is um, like yields to the gifts and facilitates the gifts. But the gifts themselves are based in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're gifts. They're charisma. They're grace gifts. And if you don't have the gifts of the Spirit, then what are you ministering in? Because, by the way, isn't teaching a gift of the Spirit, Romans chapter 12, right? Romans chapter 12, teaching is a gift of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, teaching is a gift of the Spirit. Ephesians 4, teachers are a gift to the church from the Holy Spirit, the office of teacher. Did that gift disappear? They, People would say, no, that gift hasn't disappeared. Well, how come you get to decide which gifts have disappeared and which gifts haven't disappeared? And by the way, isn't teaching abused by some? Does that mean we need to throw out that gift? Do you see the inconsistency? But it would be the enemy who would say, yeah, get them to no longer believe in the gifts of the spirit because then the only fallback they have is trying harder. Um, human intellect, human experience, human programs, human creativity. Um, listen, you can't study a demon out of somebody. Demons respond to authority and power, not Bible studies. And again, I'm a Bible guy. But when I interact with hell, I don't sit down and try to have a Bible discussion with a demon. Demons only respond to the authority and the power and you cast them out because that is part of the Great Commission. Going and healing the sick, casting out demons, preaching the gospel, baptizing. And so I, I think that it would make sense that if there was any true verification of the source of a teaching that says the power and gifts of the Holy Spirit are not available. God's not going to teach that. The devil would. Why? It, because he's got bigger weapons than our intellect, uh, than our experience, than our education, than our programs. Our junk's no match for his stuff. But if we're operating in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit, he trembles. So plenty to think about today. Um, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll do another episode on this because I just think it's like crucial that we, we get to this place where we're, we're operating in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit again. Everybody. I don't, I don't think it's going to be um, an option moving forward because I think hell is clearly upping its game and the church is sitting around fighting over stuff that doesn't matter while we, you know, defend this territory that says the gifts of the Holy Spirit are no longer in existence. Guys, spiritual gifts have been given to the church by God for their use. And if we're not operating in love, of course, all the gifts 
if you're not operating in agape love, they're going to fall into some form of misuse. If they're not, if that misuse isn't corrected by biblical truth, which is what I'm trying to do here, by the way, if, if that misuse of gifts is not corrected by biblical truth, then that misuse is going to turn in to abuse. Like we can't abuse the gifts and abuse comes from misuse that isn't corrected. So when I see or we see the misuse or the abuse of spiritual gifts, the need of the hour is correction, not rejection of the gifts. Correction is going to result in the proper use of the gifts, but rejection results in the disuse of the gifts, which is quite consistent with what the enemy wants to have happen. Get those people, those smarmy Christians to quit using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I would just suggest as I close today that the gifts were not given uh, to fall into misuse, abuse, or disuse. They were given to the church from God for their proper use. And if we can just get our hearts and minds submitted to the scriptures and then obey the scriptures when they say, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire. You should want the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And if that doesn't fit with your theology, I humbly but clearly submit to you, your theology in this area is faulty. You should get into the word of God and say, Lord, I need you to settle this by the word, not by what my pastor said, not by what my denomination says, not by what I've seen. I need the word to determine what I believe about the gifts of the spirit. And if you'll do that, you'll find in the word that there is zero that says those gifts have stopped. Nothing has said that. And so, guys, when you get to the place where you realize the gifts are available, your next step is to say, Lord, I want to obey the command to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So give me everything that you have for me so I can glorify you and help people by ministering in the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. All right, time's gone. Hope you've been encouraged, at least challenged by this. Hey, listen, go by maverickmisfit.com. And uh, check out the fuller expansion of these at the very beginning of the podcast. You have to go back to the first page there on maverickmisfit.com. It's got all the archives. Go back to the very first page and you can find out more about those. If you're interested in broader teachings on different topics, uh, let me just mention transformingtruth.org. Transformingtruth.org has got pretty much everything we put out. Um, on video, the YouTube page is there. I write a blog once a month that's there, the social media links. You can get all that too in the Transforming Truth app, including this podcast is there in the free Transforming Truth app. Just go to your app store wherever you download all your other apps and grab a copy of it. And I did mention my book. If you're interested in getting a copy of my book, quickest way to get it is amazon.com. If you go to amazon.com, you can get it there. I think you can, all, and I don't think, I know you can. You can also order a copy of it off of uh, transformingtruth.org. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do another episode on this. We'll just have to wait and see, but I hope you've been encouraged today. We'll talk to you next time. Have you picked up a copy of Jeff's book, Figuring It Out As I Go? His life story of abandonment as a child, an embrace of the occult and addiction as a teenager, and a nearly deadly battle with depression and rage as a young adult serves as an intense backdrop to Jeff's supernatural conversion at the age of 24. From there, Jeff writes of powerful seasons of deliverance, healing, and breakthrough, which were followed by tragedy, betrayal, and deep challenges which only God could turn around. If you want to hear a powerful account of the triumph of God's grace and Jeff's surprising journey into the mysteries of the Holy Spirit, pick up a copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at jefflyle.com or wherever else you buy books. 
can also download a copy of Jeff narrating Figuring Out As I Go on audible.com.